Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast, your one-stop shop for all Boink and Science news here in the Boink Network Discord. It is 4 p.m. EST on a lovely, lovely-ish Friday afternoon uh, here in the Boink Network Discord server. And you are welcome to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. EST uh, and join the conversation with a voice, with a mic, or a uh, text. Wow. It, was that a smooth intro, Delta? What do you think? Uh, a bit bumpy here and there, but get some sandpaper on it. You'll be fine. <laughs> with a voice or a text, you are more than welcome to join us. And as I've already said, that is Delta. I am your other host, Jay Ringo. And today we are going to be talking uh, a little bit about gamification, this really cool tool that Boink uses and a lot of other things use to get people to act in specific ways uh, and make things a little interesting. And before that, we're going to be going over some FAQ that we've gotten from the audience and from the Boink community over the past couple of weeks. Uh, so if you are new to Boink, stay tuned and... Uh, Get your questions answered. <laughs> but before that, we, of course, need to ask the biggest question of the night, the most frequently asked question, Delta, how is your tea? Well, it's interesting you ask, because now that everyone's asking, I have to innovate every single week. So this week, I have some homemade iced tea. <laughs> and the reason I have iced tea... <laughs> Yeah, is because it's a whopping 30 degrees here in Australia, and it's been 30 degrees, uh, ranging between 20 and 30 degrees Celsius, not not freedom units, Celsius, between and the last two nights. for those in the, in the F units, it is 86. I know when we start these shows, I already have like a converter up and ready to go, because I know someone's going to bring out Celsius. <laughs> I forgot to get one open, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was one night we had where it was consistently 35 degrees Celsius overnight. So it, it was pretty painful. And so I got my iced tea here ready to go. Barton, that is, Barton's asking for Kelvin units in the chat. That is 303.15 degrees Kelvin, 30 degrees Celsius. Well, um, speaking of the heat, um, it has <laughs> it has um, actually uh, sparked up some more bushfires here in Australia. And um, we're sad to say that three of the volunteers um, who were fighting fires here in Australia who came over from America um, have died in a plane crash when one of their... Um, one of their water bombers has essentially crashed into the bushland near where they were fighting a fire. So all of Australia is um, mourning over their deaths and uh, we pay our respects uh, to those who have um, perished and those who are also still out there fighting the fires as well. Wow, yeah. And uh, the, the what was the vessel you said they were in? They were in a water bombing aircraft. So they were dumping bright red um, fire retardant on uh, some local houses and uh, bushfire, the perimeter of the bushfire, pretty much. That's some brave stuff right there, Mike. Yep. And um, yeah, we thank uh, both America and Canada for providing some support to our firefighters in this time as well. How do we even move on from that? <laughs> moment of silence i guess <laughs> so i guess on this on the same vein as uh um sort of sad news uh before we get to the main show uh we were talking before the show delta and i about this uh coronavirus that's moving around the world coming out of china it's pretty intense it is um for those of you who don't know what the coronavirus is it is essentially almost like the common cold the only thing is it's highly mutated and has a really, really high chance of giving people other complications after they contract it. For example, they might get pneumonia after they contract the coronavirus, which is why it's killing so many people, essentially. And uh, this relates to Boink in the sense that we also have projects right now who are working on uh, trying to 
um, cure certain diseases and viruses. For example, you have World Community Grid trying uh, with uh, fight AIDS at home, and uh, they are essentially trying to find a cure to the AIDS and HIV virus by doing Boink computations. So hopefully uh, we can get that sort of program and process and uh, computing to extend to not only a particular type of virus, but also many other different viruses. Yeah, and here's what the experience might look like for uh, everyone else. So a virus like coronavirus or like, you know, there's an Ebola outbreak or there's a flu outbreak and, and it's a flu strain that we don't have the vaccine for yet. So when one of these uh, viruses pops up in a sort of outbreak or pandemic or endemic sort of way, people go into action right away trying to find a vaccine or find some way to limit the damage that this thing will do. Uh, and they do it by any means necessary. So if Boink had a process whereby we could take uh, the the disease and just throw computation at it, essentially, and just do it in a, a shotgun way where you just like throw as many different problems at it as you can and f- try and find that one solution that is uh, gives a high probability of a vaccine or a cure, uh, then a disease would come up or a, an outbreak would start and people would come to the Boink network. They would uh, ask for help. We would set up the project. Uh, I imagine a lot of crunchers would shift their computation power from whatever project they're working on in the long term to this immediate project. And we would just try and hammer out a vaccine as fast as possible. While the other people are also doing, you know, the the World Health Organization and whatnot are also doing going through their processes and protocols to get a vaccine built. So we could be a sort of a just a, a, a way to help them find the right answer. And there has been instances of uh, exactly what you're talking about in the past. For example, I remember talking about um, one of the projects on Zooniverse.org where they did the planetary rescue thing with uh, Hurricane Irma. And within four hours of the project coming out, it's it pretty much completed its entire satellite imagery survey. Right. And that was just with eyes and brain power. Yep. Yep. So it's, it, I've... I would love to see that process built out where you could just come into Boink. What that requires is essentially is a quick way to make a Boink project. Uh, and that's it. And then someone would come and say, we, we have this thing we need to do. And like four or five people would make the application and start shoving it out to as much uh, as many volunteers as they can. Great way to contribute if you are a developer and want to help uh, help Boink and also do a pretty cool like uh cause-driven initiative and put it on your resume oh the people who would hire you if you built that oh my <laughs> i would start a business just to hire you i think if you had that initiative in you i'd find you a job all right all right everyone Tr- time to start contributing to boink <laughs> Become <workers laughs> for <J-Ringa. laughs> I just, I, honestly i would just like buy a, a castle out in the woods or like land and then have everyone build a castle and like make a really nice wine cellar and then i don't know just another next to the wine cellar, have a giant server room and just get all some hardware, get all the hardware down there and just make a big boink farm. And it would be like a commune, except instead of farming fruits and vegetables, you farm boink. Come on. I, I just can't imagine all that wine just spilling and spilling into the <laughs> servers. It's, oh. You gotta live on the edge, man. You gotta live- <laughs> all right, I think we should get to the main event. All right. Roll that intro. Woo! All right, first up, FAQ, Delta, take it away. 
Yeah, so uh, over the last couple of weeks, as Jay Ringer said in the intro, um, we've been collecting a couple questions from Boink users as to just like the the stuff that they first joined, what, what they were asking, and what's the what's the common questions that they keep seeing in popping up in Boink, pretty much. And if you're in the audience listening here, feel free to put down a question, and I'll, I'll be happy to answer it. But right now, I've got a whole sheet of questions, albeit probably around. 10. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there are some pretty interesting questions here. And um, well, I guess let's just get right into it. So the first question I have here is from um, from here in the Discord from Digital Media Guy the other, um, the other week. And he says, uh, how do you choose projects? I mean, pretty simple question, but it is actually a pretty broad, broad question. You could mean, how do you pick which one you want to do? How do you pick one for your hardware? And I think we're going to just cover that. So Essentially, you have a lot of choice in choosing projects. There are a number of projects listed on the uh, Boink website. So yeah, the site is boink.berkeley.edu forward slash projects.php, and the link will be in the description. And uh, essentially, each of them does a pretty different thing. You can go all the way from finding aliens to um, finding cures to cancer. You can search for prime numbers. You can search for amicable numbers and make a nice little bracelet for you and your partner with the amicable numbers. <laughs> um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, there's a whole lot of variety, and sometimes some projects do a lot of different things. For example, World Community Grid not only does trying to cure HIV and AIDS, but they also try and cure um, the Zika virus, which is now a project that's uh, finished, and uh, other stuff like trying to predict rainfall in Africa. So essentially, it just depends what you and your morals and your passion, where all your passion and morals lie. And that, that's the first step. And then the second step is figuring out what hardware you have. And essentially, sometimes your hardware can determine where you contribute. So for example, let, let's just um, keep a simple computer. So CPU and graphics card. So um, it does get a little bit complex with the graphics card, but generally with the CPU, you can go on to pretty much any project, except for GPU grid, which is exclusively for GPUs. <laughs> um, but in terms of the GPU, you've got to be careful because there are two main brands of uh, GP, GPU, which is um, NVIDIA and AMD. And some projects on Boink have only NVIDIA and um, only AMD work. And Barton is just pointing out to me, ironically, GPU Grid has CPU work now. So um, good luck to anyone out there crunching GPU Grid. <laughs> 2020, what is happening already? Oh, man. It is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Doomsday Cox is down. GPU grid is putting out CPU work. What is happening? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So you have two different types of GPUs. You have NVIDIA GPUs and AMD GPUs. So on the project site that I mentioned before, you'll find that there's some really handy icons that tell you which project does essentially which GPU. So you'll find that NVIDIA is the green GPU and AMD is the red GPU. Now, really, in, on a computational level, there really is no real sort of difference between the two. But some projects are actually um, uh, some projects are actually attuned to particular types of GPUs, and we'll get to that in the next question. But uh, as for other types of hardware, for example, your phone or a Raspberry Pi, um, there are projects for that, and usually those projects are either classified under Android or um, essentially Raspberry Pi or um, other 
uh, other hardware. And those projects are a little bit limited, especially with um, the phones at the moment. Uh, World Community Grid is releasing a new project in beta at the moment, which is testing a new mobile application for mobile devices running Boink. And uh, there are also other Android projects at the moment, such as um, Universe at Home. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Yo-Yo at Home, I think, which has Android projects. Barton can probably correct me on that. But yeah, it is. Yeah, Yo-Yo at Home that also has other Android projects for you, uh, for you to crunch on your phone. Uh, we would like to see a little bit more uh, Android phone projects, but uh, unfortunately, there's not that many. Uh, but as for Raspberry Pis, there are quite a few projects that run on Raspberry Pi too. Um, but uh, as we come to the end of that question, uh, Jay Ringo, what projects have you chosen? How did you choose them? Well, oh man, I've chosen a few over the days just because it's uh, over the days. I've only been doing this for a couple of days because uh, <laughs> my interests change. And so the, the way I go about uh, figuring out what I want to do is exactly what you said in two quick steps. It's uh, what are my interests? I answer that question. And then I go to this website that we'll have linked in the description uh, below, which is the Boink Projects page. And I see if there are any projects that sign uh, that align with my interests and also have work for my hardware. And uh, this is what Delta, I think you were describing on that project page to the right. It says supported platforms, and you just look, do I have, like, if I have an NVIDIA graphics card, I see that, like, Amical Numbers has a little NVIDIA sign right there. So that means I can crunch that project. Uh, and if I have an AMD uh, graphics card, well, Amical num Amicable Numbers also has work for AMD graphics cards, and it can also work on CPUs and Linux and Mac OS X. Uh, and then you can look down the list there, and they're all listed there. So I chose uh, space projects. I think my first project was Asteroids at Home because it worked with my NVIDIA, and I love space stuff. And I was like, hey, Asteroids are really cool. I think I probably saw something about Asteroids in the news and wanted to help find, uh, sort of get some more information about the Asteroids we know about out in space. Uh, beyond that, I do, I've done Einstein. Uh, I did a little bit of Colette's conjecture when I was like, what is Colette's conjecture? So I threw some computation at it and thought, well, I'm committed to this project now. I guess I better learn what Colats is. And there you go. I learned a little bit about it and forgot it all almost instantly. But I retained most, some of it. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, education part of it is actually a really cool concept of Boink. And uh, I'm going to come back to that in one of the other questions. But um, just looking at the projects page now, um, you also have some other icons. For example, you have the Penguin if it runs on Linux. Um, you have a little virtual box icon if it requires virtual box applications. And um, so essentially that means you don't run it directly on your computer. You run a um, you run an instance, a simulation of a computer on your computer, and then you run Boink on that. Uh, and then you also have the little penguin with arm on it. So <laughs> button saying it's Tux. So I'll call it Tux for now. But for those of you that don't, that don't know, the penguin is called Tux. It's the logo of Linux. And yeah, so the little penguin with arm means that it runs on ARM processes such as the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, it is a very useful page. So yeah, quick two steps again. Find out what I'm interested in, space, medicine, whatever. Go to this page, find a project uh, that says is working on like space, math, or biology, and then find a project that has that interest and also is supported by my platform, and then crunch away. And if I want to learn more, where do I go to learn more? Discord. <laughs> yeah, if you have any issues, you can feel free to come into the Discord. We have lots of people here ready to help you and people who are really experienced with Boink and even some Boink developers, so even they can help out. But uh, on to the next question. 
Uh, does hardware affect project choice? Uh, in a sense, yes. In a sense, no. So um, as, as I said before, um, essentially, sometimes your hardware may determine which projects you can actually crunch, whether it's actually compatible with your hardware. Uh, as I said again, maybe it's only compatible with NVIDIA GPUs or only compatible with AMD GPUs. Um, but yeah, essentially, other than that, not really. So you can really take your hardware to any project and it's not going to run any slower or faster. Uh, again, it really just depends on what's going on. But so as long as the project has something that runs on your hardware, it's really no issue. But there are some crunches here in this community that are really passionate of, uh, about finding the most efficient um, computational um, hardware essentially. So, for example, some projects might need the might need a what's called a 64-bit floating point unit, which is basically a big calculator um, on certain graphics cards. And some graphics cards don't have that particular unit. They have a 32-bit version, which means that essentially they have to do double the work. So, some crunchers like to find those little areas where they can take advantage of uh, some of the really small. Um, details in the hardware requirements in order to make their crunching rigs more efficient. And that's great for saving electricity and doing more work. And um, yeah, but generally the average user doesn't particularly need to worry about it. But um, another good thing is also if you have really old graphics cards, you might have to be careful because for, I have an old graphics card myself. And I noticed that on some projects it doesn't like it because my old graphics card doesn't have enough VRAM. And so essentially for those of you that don't know VRAM, it's just basically the memory on the graphics card. And so, for example, Einstein at home, I think, requires, I think, four gigabytes of VRAM. So it needs four gigabytes of memory on the GPU to actually run. And unfortunately, my card doesn't have that because it's really old. Um, and yeah, so I have to settle for something like SETI at home. Um, Jay Ringo, what hardware do you have and what do you crunch point on? Uh, I have a Xeon CPU. Uh, I forget what it is specifically. Wow. I am not a hardware nerd. So I really... if, even if it's Xeon, you could probably tell because Xeons are typically server processors, aren't they? Yeah, no, it is a server. So I don't know which Xeon processor it is, but uh, I'm able to do uh, quite a few CPU tasks at once. And then I had a GPU in there, and then the fan broke, and then I like I, I duct taped the fan because it was giving me an error. <laughs> and then I think the the whole GPU broke when I did that. So whoops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my GPU, one of my GPU fans are broken, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't complain. Temperatures are fine, so. Uh. <laughs> right, that's what I said. But it was making this really annoying noise, and it wasn't working, but the temperatures were fine. So I was like, all right, I'll duct tape it. So it stops making that really annoying noise. Mm. And then, you know, eventually the whole, fan <laughs> the whole GPU is gone. So right. I'm really just doing <laughs> CPU work. Uh, and I think I'm switching between, like, Citizen Science Grid uh, and uh, I, I honestly don't know what I'm running right now. Yeah, so um, just to pull off of that Xeon point, some CPUs have, uh, usually people think of their CPUs as one big unit, and you can, you can think of it like that, but inside the CPU there are what are called cores, and essentially it's, cores are just essentially their own little CPUs, and some CPUs have a lot of cores. For example, Xeons typically have quite a, quite a few cores, like anywhere up to, I think, 64 or 128 cores, I think I've seen newer models. Um, even in consumer CPUs, I know the latest AMD GPU I think had 32 cores, if I'm not mistaken. And so essentially one core can mean one boink task. So if you have 32 cores, you can do 32 boink tasks. And funnily enough, there are projects that actually go across multiple CPU cores. So um, some projects can run on two CPU cores at once, which is pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, so um, 
let's move on to the next question. Uh, we had a question asking, again, what does suspending do and how does it work? So, uh, and also, what if, I, uh, what if I suspend a project? So, essentially, suspending is a feature of Boink, and it allows it to become sort of user-friendly. So, if you are currently running some stuff in the background on your computer on Boink, and you suddenly say, oh, I want to play a game with my friends. Right. If you start playing that game and you're running, say, a GPU task, chances are you're going to get a really, really poor gaming experience in your game if you have Boink running in the background because the GPU is trying to be used by the game and it's also trying to be used by Boink and oh, it's just a, it's just a mess. So we have this option in the Boink Manager that allows you to essentially suspend tasks. So you can go into the Boink Manager, you can click on some of your tasks and you can click Suspend. And uh, essentially what that means is they'll just stop running. Now, um, a better way to do it, um, there are actually a few ways to do it. So you can either suspend tasks manually, uh, you can suspend a whole project. So you can click on the project tab in advanced view, if I'm not mistaken, and click, um, and click suspend project. And so that'll stop all the tasks for that project. Um, or you can go into, I think it's the activity menu option and click on uh, run always or suspend or run based on preferences. Run based on preferences will use the preferences that you specify to say maybe oh suspend everything if I move the mouse in the last thirty minutes, last thirty seconds. But uh, if you click on suspend in that menu, then it'll just stop absolutely everything, and that's handy. I, 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 every person that I've helped uh, start up Boink, I've always taught them that that way to do it because chances are they're going to get into a game and say why is this running so slow and just go into Boink, click the activity menu, and then click suspend. Okay, um, next question, I guess. you have anything to say about that, Jay Ringo? A very useful feature. Uh, I like that it automatically suspends when you start doing stuff, if you have that setting up. Yep, a uh, bit, oh, bit glitchy on Linux, but um, yeah, all in all, it's a pretty good, pretty good feature. Anyway, on to some of the questions from Reddit. This uh, one is from Dale D. Uh, what do you get in return? Now, that's an interesting question. He did mention, or they, they did mention that uh, whenever they talk to their family members about it or any of their friends, they say, oh, hold on, why are you doing this without getting any money for it? And so he, they, they mentioned that um, the, they just had some weird feeling about why aren't you getting paid or compensated for this? And essentially, it is volunteer work, and people probably don't understand that. Uh, and essentially, you don't get anything tangible in return. It is essentially volunteer work. But there are some certain things that you can get in return in, in a more... Um, intrinsic sense. So, first of all, you get credits. Woohoo, credits. <laughs> but you can't spend them on anything. <laughs> and we're going to talk about credits later on in the in the episode. And essentially credits are just uh, a measure of how much work you've done pretty much. And uh, they can't be used for anything. They're project specific, so you earn credits towards a project. Uh, and they can all be accumulated and um, tracked and made statistics of. So if you go to boinkstats.com, you can go and find your user and see how much credits you have and see how the pro pro progress is going. And yeah, so there is no real monetary value to those credits. But um, there are uh, actually some cryptocurrencies out there that do reward using cryptocurrencies, which is some sort of tangible monetary benefit, but we're not going to go into explanation of that. That's beyond the scope of this um, podcast. But yeah, there are cryptocurrencies out there that do hand out rewards if you are interested in that. 
Um, and also another thing you do actually get out of it is education. As you said, Jay Ringo, you learned about the Klatz conjecture from doing uh, the boink, boink tasks. Definitely. Uh, and and uh, everything, everything. Yeah, yeah, and uh, same with uh, Einstein at home. With me, we learned about uh, that. We learned that uh, black holes make uh, raindrop noises when they collide. <laughs> Should we listen to it again? I can play it. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. No. Let's go. And that, my friends, is education. Yeah, so uh, being in Boink so long, I've learned so much stuff from it myself, and that's why I do um, the project briefs. Um, and speaking of project briefs, next episode we're going to be talking about Athena, one of the new projects. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I, I pretty much became a science communicator, and that's why I'm here on the on the Boink, Net, uh, Boink Radio podcast and uh, explaining science and answering questions and stuff like that. So it's a great it's a great learning experience uh, if you want to go in and spend some time reading and asking questions and look watching videos and doing crunching and oh watching the show graphics on on the Boink manager. So the, that that's pretty fun. And uh, on the Boink manager there's a little button that you can press which says show graphics when you click on a task. And essentially what it does is it shows pretty much what you're computing. So it's a visualization of what you're doing. So, for example, on SETI at home, it'll show the fast Fourier transforms that you're doing on on the data, and it'll show all the little spikes and all the like heat map of where where all the patterns are, and it's it's pretty cool. And it really does get you to ask some questions and go and search up because you're curious, like, oh, what does that spike mean? Did I find an alien? It's never yes. Yeah, and I think I think I've explained before. I don't know if it was in here or somewhere else, but SETI at home does put out decoys to try and trick scientists and make sure that they're doing things in an unbiased way. So that blip that you just found on SETI might be a decoy from a satellite. So um, a bit disappointing. Maybe, but maybe it's nice. actually an alien, but they want to tell you it's a decoy because if they found aliens, it would blow everyone's mind. So they're like, no, 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 <laughs> it's a decoy. But, but really, no, the, the, yeah, the, the decoy is so that the scientists do it in an unbiased way and uh, so that when they do find aliens, they can actually prove it. Uh, but yeah, anyway, on, on to the next. Oh, was that Jango? Jango? Uh, I just said neat, neat, neat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question is from Aqualite uh, from Reddit. And they said, uh, what security measures are in place to protect users? So this is a really key feature. I think I remember talking about this before. Um, with software like this, where it's sending around code to be executed, it is it does seem a little bit dangerous on the face of it. And so you're wondering, like, oh, what happens if I get a virus from a Boink project? What happens if I do this? Well, um, rest assured, you this, the security of Boink is pretty pretty well pretty well managed. And uh, essentially, um, if you have a good password on your account, first of all, that's a, that's a big one. Um, you're you're probably fine. Uh, as for managing uh, tasks and uploading tasks and stuff like that. Um, the Boink servers are well monitored and um, and also their applications are signed, which means that, um, if I'm not mistaken, the applications are signed, which means that when your computer receives it, your computer can look at the signature and verify it with a third party. And so that stops people from putting in tasks and work units that are somewhat malicious and might do something bad to your computer. And um, yeah, if you choose a project that is on the main list and stuff that most people do, then chances are you're not going to get any funny um, functionality out of that task and weird um, or somewhat maybe malicious uh, execution of code on your computer. So if you choose just more popular projects, you're most likely going to be fine. 
Are you telling me CERN's not going to inject like some funny business code in their application? Oh, Come they'll on. try and get you to make a Higgs boson. Don't don't you worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Acceptable. Acceptable risk. Oh, All right. Good. So uh, next questions I have just some quick ones, and we'll also tie on to the next uh, portion of the episode. Before um, before we go to these, because they're going to tie us into the next portion, I have an FAQ, another FAQ for you, Delta. Oh, okay. Now, you know what cherry tomatoes are, right? Yes. Do you cherry tomatoes over there? Okay. I don't know if you like yeah, call do. them, I don't know, like flip-flops or something. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you we do not call them flip-flops. Okay. Excellent. So do you put them in the fridge? Does one Ooh, put cherry um, tomatoes in the fridge or do you leave them on the counter? Like what do you do with a cherry tomato when you need to store it? I, I would never. put them. I, I would put them in the fridge. But you would put them in the fridge, right? I've always put them in the fridge, but I I've been hearing lately that you don't put them in the fridge because what Barton says they lose flavor and they become mealy. And it's like, but, but you, you guys are forgetting that I'm in Australia, so if you keep them out on the on the bench, they're gonna melt in 35 degree heat. So <laughs> this is what I'm talking about: is a bench a counter or like a bench is like at the bus stop? Um, more like a counter over here. Okay. But okay. if you get it, sorry, <laughs> if you say go sit on the bench, um, then yeah, no one's gonna go to the bench. Okay, see, this is why I, I just want to make it clear. This is why I asked if you knew what cherry tomatoes are. I'm sure you know what the truth <laughs> is. Well, I'm not a food scientist, so I can't tell you much about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for uh, answering that. Although I'm walking away from this knowing no more about what I should do with these cherry tomatoes I just bought because I got two answers. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> let's move on to the boink boink faq that will bring us into gamification yep so uh uh so essentially we want to know how credit gets generated so to know how credit credit gets generated we got to know about how work gets generated and completed so uh essentially how boink works is at a fundamental level uh you have a computer you run boink on the computer the boink the boink on your computer talks to the boink servers and the project servers the project servers send back tasks as most people call them work units or um wus and um essentially your computer crunches them sends them back they get validated and then you get rewarded with credit and so that that's essentially how you get credit now some Times where you won't get credit is if your computer runs into a computational error, which is some, somewhat common on certain projects, which means that your task failed and you didn't get a result, so you had to send it back and you're not getting credit for it. Um, also, if validation failed. So if you submit a work unit and your work unit just happened to have some wrong result and then everyone else got the right result, then you don't get credit for it. Um, and so essentially that's the fundamental foundational understanding of how credit gets generated and, um, essentially from work units. Now, uh, essentially after you get the credit, you can now get what's called a recent average credit, which is something that, um, which is a metric that people use to calculate, um, how often you're computing and how consistent you're computing as well. And RAC is sometimes used to calculate floating point operations, although it is a little bit of an inaccurate metric to do that. To do that. So um, sometimes people can use the credits to claim how much floating point operations they're using. And um, yeah, essentially that's what RAC is used for as well. And awesome. um, yeah, that brings us into gamification. So now that we know what credit is, how is it used to promote gamification? And why, yeah, why do we have it? What is going on here? So gamification is this concept that has been around for quite some time that basically draws on root psychology in uh, human nature. So humans like games, and they learn very well while playing games. 
uh, you can find and they like to see yeah, and they like to see numbers going up. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, yeah. So there are two. So that's what gamification draws on. Gamification draws on that desire to play a game and the the acknowledgement that you learn while playing a game. So uh, for a while now, scientists and uh, human uh, behavior manipulators, whatever you want to call them, have been trying to bring game concepts into things that are generally not games. You can see this in, like, there are a lot of protein folding games where you uh, are playing an actual game. They've made it look and feel like a game, but at the end of the day, you're actually providing uh, results back to a scientist somewhere doing something, or a, a researcher researching how gamification affects people. Um, so within the gamification, there are two sort of aspects to it. There's the intrinsic reward to playing a game, and there's the external award to reward for playing a game. And uh, Boink draws on both of them. So uh, this seeing this number go up with this credit, earning a credit gives you a sense of a completion. Uh, you completed a task. You you are doing something worthwhile for yourself. It's awesome. It feels good. You know. And then the, or the external part is the competition part. And Boink draws on this by uh, creating teams and making it so yet you can see other people's credits. As soon as I can, I'm crunching, and as soon as I can see Delta's credits, we can have a competition there. And a competition is just a type of game. So it, it makes us behave in specific ways. And it makes people form groups. And then those groups compete. And then people form competitions, like actual tournaments. And tournaments draw audiences. And tournaments draw more participation. So it's a self-reinforcing, um, uh, it's a feedback loop that just makes people behave in specific ways. And I have a great example on this outside of uh, Boink. But Delta, I saw your mic go off. Are you trying to jump in? Oh, no, sorry, I just actually... Cool. Uh, so a great example of gamification, at least I think, uh, outside of uh, Boink uh, is for... And this is... Maybe it's not a great example because it's only for people who have switched from... Ever switched from driving a, a gas-only car to a hybrid car ever in their life. Uh, so when you start driving a hybrid car... They give you all these stats, all these informa all this information about your driving habits and like the miles per gallon you're getting. Uh, some of them even have like scores, like cards essentially on their screens, where it's like you are drive, you're accelerating quickly. You get points, <laughs> points knocked off. I actually have a I, I actually have a hybrid um, here in uh, my, well my parents have a hybrid and I occasionally use it every now and then and I consistently hit ninety on all the scores so I'm pretty good at it. See. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes it did you transition from a gas car to the hybrid car uh well i only got my license about a year ago and we had this car essentially when i got my license so if i was driving okay. it as soon as i started from from a petrol car so when you have a gas car you're not scored by the car the car doesn't care about how you drive it so you accelerate quickly you slam on the brakes at the last minute if you're an aggressive driver and i just happen to like driving so uh and and you behave like when you're going between stoplights you don't even think about like should i start coasting now because it's probably going to be red when i get there anyway so like why am i going to continue to accelerate who cares what the guy behind me is thinking because he's gonna have to stop anyway he's in this gas guzzler who cares and and you don't think about any of this stuff. You switch to a hybrid car and you see these scores, the score in front of you, all this information. And at least what I've found uh, with myself and a lot of other people, and I'm sure there are probably studies on this because it's pretty interesting uh, to watch. Uh, people start looking further ahead on the road and they start planning ahead and they drive differently. They accelerate uh, in a more controlled manner. They break, start, they, they start braking sooner so they don't 
they're not accelerating for as long. They try to coast to a stop instead of breaking to a stop. Uh, and when you're um, when you're like driving on a highway and going, and the highway goes up and down the hills, you try to catch speed going down and then ride that speed for as long as you can going up before you have to start. Uh, accelerating and when you accelerate up a hill it turns on the gas engine really heavy so you waste gas and your scar goes down so it's just a really really interesting example of how giving uh, a user feedback in a game format um, changes their behavior I, I love it i would love if there's a study on it if anyone knows of a study please pm me on discord and let me read it well yeah psychology is a whole big part of it and essentially it's also just the user experience part of it uh, i remember you talking uh just then about the uh folding games and essentially the difference between having the folding and then putting into a folding game is using a software that a scientist would use for just their purpose in making and folding proteins and simulating it and having a game where everyone can join it and try and find solutions to stuff so it does open the field to a whole lot of people because uh, if you want a game to take off you need essentially a lot of people to be able to participate and so here we are <laughs> and it's done great things um, there was a there were a couple big uh, competitions recently on the boink uh, network one was run by this team called Cruncher Sands Frontier we already mentioned teams are just groups of crunchers who maybe some of them know each other locally maybe a lot of well I know a lot of them are just like friends from forums from around the world who just, just crunch together to rack up scores um, and like the we talked last week about the school that ran some boink projects and they had a competition between five teams at their school that sounded like so you can have school teams all, all this stuff it's really fun and this team cruncher sans frontier ran a project that they run every year i think this was their fourth year if i remember correctly and it's called the thor challenge and it runs on world community grid and it happens for like a total of three weeks but it, it goes over a long period of time because of the way it's run so it keeps engagement going and uh Whoever crunches the most gets sort of bragging rights and whatnot, a badge or uh, other things you can earn. So that's the Thor challenge. And then, uh, and that was a great success. The, I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but it's some crazy amount of uh, credits or computation years done on, during that competition on a single project. And then there's the Prime Grid had one recently uh, over the holidays that was a great success. And I think they were just doing a competition across Prime Grid. Uh, which is a project that searches for prime numbers. Uh, also a great success. And then there's the huge, huge project. What's it, is, is it a pentathlon? Is that the one I'm thinking of? That, that sounds right, yeah. And it's a, a competition across, I want to say, five projects. <laughs> I, I actually don't remember how the format of this one works, but it's really, really large. It's either like across five fields of science or across five projects. I think it's five projects. Um, and it's just, you get to watch crunchers who are participating in this uh this giant competition across the network shift from one project to another and try and get the most uh work done for their team and win some badges uh great driver for for engagement great driver do you think we should have uh either material prizes or money prizes with some of these <laughs> i think it's not completely out of the question for example with thor and you brought up cryptocurrencies a little earlier as like there are there's these there's this fringe technology called the blockchain that is working on some pretty interesting economic stuff and there are these cryptocurrency teams that are doing stuff with involving incentivizing people with actual money um and that's as far as we'll go here. But the way Thor Challenge ran is they had two sections. There was a section that 
included cryptocurrency teams where people were incentivized with money and they there was a section where they didn't include cryptocurrency teams so there there's a, a, a weird push and pull between people who think that getting money into this sort of ethos is frowned upon and people think that and the other side is people think yeah we should really do this uh so I don't know how people would react to it, but I like the idea. And you could either do it from like this economic protocol, or you can do it from like have IBM run a project. I'm just using IBM as an example. It's a really big project. That Come on, IBM, so, listen right? to us. <laughs> so just we this example you. here: IBM uses a purse, sets up a purse of like a, a good chunk of change, and says whoever wins gets this money. And then uh, that see what that does for engagement. How does that affect how people work? I sort of wanted money, to. The teams are cool. The competition. Yeah, cool. I was gonna say I wanted. I wouldn't mind winning a Boink T-shirt from one of these competitions. That'd be cool. Oh, that would be cool. Maybe we right, should. IBM, stop Boink printing these Boink T-shirts. No, don't give IBM that idea. IBM has the money. They can do the money idea. We'll print some T-shirts and we'll oh. run our own tournament. <laughs> On a Boink Maybe t-shirt. Yeah, you you mentioned a couple episodes ago we should make a Boink Network team uh, or a Boink Radio team, and I th- I think that's a good idea. And then we can do a uh, and we can, yeah, hand out t-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> great stuff. This is the stuff that teams do. You know, just talking about ideas, getting people engaged, and you get this camaraderie going and this competition going. Um, I forgot and where I was going to represent your country. <laughs> there are exactly. there are teams for everyone's countries. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful thing. What else can gamification do? We did the credits. You know, you earn the credits, you get some reward, you get these badges. Uh, that's really fun. I think we should be able to print out oh, badges. Yeah, badges. So like, you go to uh, the Boink Workshop or whatever, and you're able to print out your badges beforehand and like have it on your folders, or even like you can go to the workshop and someone has it like embroidered or something. You can act like an actual badge you can wear at the workshop that would be really really fun yeah Uh, well i mean badges right now are sort of like that um if you're speaking in the forums on most uh boink (laughs) on boink servers and uh, you usually find that someone has like 400 badges on the side of on the side of their user on their boink forums and it's just ridiculous but um i think uh another interesting thing is um i think i remember talking about this a while back um where games like real games games that have nothing to do with um, science or anything like that actually run some sort of computing in the background and built into the game. I remember there was some game and I, 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 to this day, I still can't remember what it's called, but there was some game where when you played it, it did run some sort of computation in the bank, in the background that did help with some scientific project. And so, um, I guess that that's a great way to sort of get um, engagement on in a subconscious level. Um, playing the game, but you're not actually doing any mental computations as you would with, um, say, Foldit, um, the Foldit game or some other, or Zooniverse even. Um, and yeah, so I think that might be another good way where we can where we can go. That would be pretty interesting, yeah. Uh, speaking of credits also, uh, if you want some just quick statistics on essentially how big this sort of gamification uh, thing is, um, I'm just looking at Boink stats right now on the Boink combined statistics. So that's all the projects that it tracks. And uh, in the last day, Boink generated, um, what is that? I think that's uh, 7 billion... Um, yeah, seven billion twenty-eight million credits in the last day. So it's pretty crazy. I wish we could go into the more of the details and how credits work. I know a little bit. Like they used to be based off this thing called a cobblestone or a whetstone or something like that. A bunch of fun words. Uh, mush them together, and there you have credits and how they work. <laughs> yeah, now it's just gone out the window. <laughs> yeah, it's and, it's yeah. a real shame. 
Like, As I, I said, if, it's not really accurate for that anymore. Yeah, I wonder if there is a way. I know there are some people trying to think about this, but if there's a way to get a representation of uh, actual work you're contributing to the network, I don't know exactly what that means. So you would need to define work in some formula and then figure out a way to measure it. Uh, so it's an interesting challenge if anyone out there is listening to this, loves that sort of challenge. Come on in and talk. Um, and I, I'll, sh- I'll shoot back and forth with you, shoot some ideas. But uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Like and, you were talking uh, about flops earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and for those of you who don't know what flops are, they're, it's, they're not flip flops, but uh, they are. They're cherry uh, tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're not cherry tomatoes either, but they are floating point operations. So essentially, it's one addition or subtraction uh, between the floating point number, essentially. Yeah, so if there was a way to measure, it's a measurement of computation uh, in in some arenas. If there was a way to have some sort of measurement like that, or a way to accurately measure flops contributed, but you have to keep in uh, keep in mind that these projects are different. Some are 32-bit uh, operations, some are 64, as Delta was describing before. Some only run on CPU, some run on GPU. So their flops are going to be different, but if it's just a CPU project, you're going to be contributing more to that project because if you were running a GPU on it, well, you're not even running anything. <laughs> so, like... Yeah. It's complex. It's, it's very complex. And not to mention also, there are some projects that don't even use the CPU or GPU or any computation. Some of them sensor are sensor projects. projects. So how do you credit them? And it's a little bit of an issue um, figuring out a fair way of crediting it. Lots of challenges still to be met. So get in here, smart people. We know you're out there wanting to do stuff. Come on. I dare you. And on that very aggressive dare, do you want to wrap this up? <laughs> Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> this is getting bloody more lighthearted. <laughs> so yeah, um, if you want to, uh, actually, interesting thing, if you want to take a look at how much credits you have computed on a project, or in some cases on a whole project, and maybe put it on your resume like I did one time, um, you can, in most Boink projects, they have an option in their, I think it's their user preferences, where um, you can click on something that says certificate or generate certificate, and it'll just pop up in a new uh, in a new window and say certificate of computation, and then this uh, and then you can take a screenshot or you can print it and it says this certifies that blah 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 this participant has participated in for example my one Einstein at home since the 18th of August 2015 and has contributed uh, was that 66 million cobblestones or 57.07 quintillion floating point operations. So uh, that's a great thing you can put on your resume if you're going to I don't know hospitality or something. <laughs> Catering. I think catering would like you doing 57 quintillion floating operations, right? That sounds great. I'll hire you. I'll start a, a, a catering business just to hire you. <laughs> I mean, if you can do 57 quintillion floating point operations, hopefully you can cut 15 tomatoes. <laughs> hey, nice. And on that note, <laughs> we'll be wrapping this show up. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. It has been a fun discussion. If anyone has any other questions they would like answered, if you think of any or if you have some yourself, feel free to reach out to us or post them on Reddit or um, don't post them on the forums. We don't generally check the forums too often. But uh, jump into Discord, tweet at us at at Boink Network and let us know. And we'll answer them in the coming show sometime at the beginning of the show. Uh, and uh, don't forget, next episode, uh, we're doing another project brief, uh, this time on Athena. Woohoo! Looking forward to it. Uh, so that will be next week on.
out. What is that? That is January 31st. We'll be doing the project brief at 4 p.m. EST, and immediately following that will be the Blink Radio recording. So feel free to join us for either of those. The project briefs are really fun. Delta does a lot of research into the projects before the episode, so you can come in here and ask questions and try to stump him. Everyone who stumps him will get a I Stumped Delta badge if we ever make uh, badges. <laughs> We can make a roll on the Discord server. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, all right. So we will see you then, hopefully. Uh, until then, have a great weekend. Have a great week next week. And keep on crunching. Oh, oh, oh. Play the outro. Outro. Is it not rolling? It's not rolling, is it? I didn't do the Not rolling. (laughs) (laughs) Another blooper.